Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. Today, we are live from New York. Right after, we just debriefed the Baku drama, so we're super excited to bring you our classic recap take. And then we do have a lot of debating going on. We have a lot of different opinions and thoughts, so we're excited to share it with you all. As always, make sure to follow us at For the Girls on Instagram. With that, I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. So let's get into our main takeaways from the Baku weekend. For me, I think aside from the DNFs and some good midfield passing and maybe a little bit of excitement at the beginning of the race, for me, it felt like a pretty uneventful race with a lot of like the top drivers, the top three sort of racing in their own worlds. They were sort of set in their order for the back half of the race. George at one point had like a 10 plus second gap between him and Perez and P2 and then 20 plus seconds between him and the next car. So they were kind of all in their own world, which didn't make it that exciting once the Ferraris both DNF'd. And on that note, four Ferrari powered cars did not finish this race. Really tough to see reliability issues this far into the season, especially when Ferrari itself was doing pretty well and didn't have those issues at the beginning. So we'll talk a lot more about that, but really not a good look for Ferrari this weekend. Yes. Similarly, I think my kind of big takeaway is Ferrari choking when it matters. A lot of people have been saying this season how Ferrari has historically had who who knows what it is if it's leadership or management issues that lead to them choking during the season recently whenever they've had a big chance the most recent time this happened was the 2017 season when Vettel was fighting Hamilton for the championship and it all fell apart for Ferrari so it's tough to see that seemingly happening here when they were dominant at the start and it's kind of a shocking turnaround and just goes to Red Bull's consistency too and being able to just bounce back. And I feel like Red Bull is so good at getting on top of reliability and strategy and those types of issues. And Ferrari just is not. And it's really hard to see them literally throwing points away, actually throwing them away. So one crazy stat is now Max has more wins from Charles Poles than Charles does, which is just so sad. Yeah. And just watching Charles and sort of some of these post-race interviews, he's a very diplomatic person. I think he's like very level-headed. He, I think, is struggling to hold it together in terms of his disappointment and just not understanding what is going on with the team. Like he really has no comments about any of these things. My takeaways for the weekend are similar to y'all's too. One, huge time gaps up at the front. It seems like, you know, P1 through P5, everyone was kind of in their own world there was some interesting, you know, battling happening in the midfield, which we liked. My big thing, too, was we were seeing a little team orders, like nothing super dramatic. But definitely we saw some team orders from Red Bull, saw a little bit of team order stuff happening with McLaren. So we'll talk and about Alpha that Romeo later. too. Yeah. Um, and then my last takeaway was just Danny finally had a decent-ish race. So I think he can probably sleep better today. <laughs> How did our hot takes hold up? Mine was Checo wins, becomes the best driver in the world. Then we have a Red Bull or Ferrari P2 and then a wild card. Obviously, I didn't – Checo did not win, but we had two Red Bulls, one and two, so pretty decent. And then we had the Mercedes wild card, so not too shabby So funny me. that we were calling Mercedes podium a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, how about you? 
Mine ended up being pretty accurate. I said both Ferraris not on podium. Damn, I know this choking thing seemed to be the writing was on the wall, but definitely was not predicting two DNFs. And then I said Checo on podium and Gasly and Lando up in the points. So more, more, more true for Gasly. He had a great race, but Lando was also in the points. So this might be my best prediction accuracy. Well done. I guess our takes have to get hotter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I said Vettel would be on podium because he had finished uh, P4 better every single time he's raced here. That did not happen. He finished P6, but I think that was still a pretty good result for him in the Aston Martin. He had a decent race. He had one mistake there that cost him, I think, a lot, fortunately. But yeah, not not too bad. Definitely not a podium, but good to see him doing well. And then, so for our MVPs, for me, I got to say Gasly. There, I had a few in mind, but I'm going to give it to Gasly. He didn't get a podium, but it was his best result this year. A really awesome drive, the whole race for him. A lot of great passing, but I think he just sort of drove calm, cool, collected, and did really well. And I'm also going to throw in as an MVP, Yuki's duct tape on the rear wing, <laughs> which is one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> in a later. Race. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Red Bull engine and also along lines of the duct tape, Max's rear wing holding on during the race. <laughs> um, was a bit worried about that. And then also George, he just makes really brutal circumstances look not as difficult as they probably are. Yeah. My, my MVP was George. He's like, I, I think he should be the new smooth operator, not Carlos. Like George just does his race heads down P3, like no complaining, nothing, just a solid, strong race from him. And overall, like, I think Mercedes never thought I would say Mercedes was the MVP, but they really, they really made the best out of a pretty bad situation. Yeah. Watching their cars. The only reason I didn't give it to George is just, he was like so alone in his own world for most of the race. I think he just sort of had to like execute, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with his consistency this whole season. He's been doing so well. Executing alone is pretty impressive when you're bouncing around violently, like 210 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So how about least valuable players? Mine was the Red Bull pit crew. These heinous pit stops for Checo like literally broke my heart every time. I was talking to my dad about it. He has a conspiracy that they did it on purpose. Obviously, that's not the case, but I don't know. It was yeah. We got a message or two on Instagram actually during the race about that. Like it's a little suspicious how the pit crew (laughs) (laughs) is yeah taking their sweet time with Checo. I will say this: it, it wasn't as bad as Checo's, but Max did have a three and a half second, which is not objectively that bad but it's still pretty bad by red bull standards i don't know what was going on the announcers were saying it was like a horrible pit day across the board gasly got a really slow one too and obviously the ferrari ones i don't know what was going on mine is ferrari i i don't i don't can't entirely decide who in ferrari head maybe their head engineer i don't know but someone in ferrari just they're just wrecking carlos and charles and it's so sad to see Yep. That was mine as well. Ferrari reliability and really like the whole Ferrari establishment and organization right now from like strategy to the engineering reliability and all of that. I feel like they're not performing at the level of a top team, which is unfortunate because they have really great drivers. I think they have a really great car. The team just seems to be falling apart around the edges, which is ironic given that they're the most historic team. You'd think they would sort of have all of these things and little things around the edges strategy especially just buttoned up you know and it's not which is unfortunate 
Plus, what's frustrating, too, is they've had years to prep for this. They kept saying the 2022 car, the 2022 car. So it's it's super disappointing. Let's get into if there's any other important news or talking points from the weekend. So one thing is Williams was fined $25,000 for a violation of the financial procedures, which just another team that right now is just throwing points and money at other people affirmatively. (laughs) What are the financial procedures? It has to do with the cost caps of certain filings they have to make and disclosures. So it's something that's super simple and yet they didn't do it and got fined (laughs) $25,000. Another big news is Nico Rosberg is apparently unvaccinated, so he can't even enter the paddock. We never really realized this, and it's only coming up now because all traveling personnel have to be vaxxed to enter the paddock. And we would always see him doing these interviews outside of the paddock and never really realized why. But now it has come to light, so I wonder what Sky Sports will end up doing with him. Also, big news this week was the discussion of driver activism. I think, Tiggy, you had some really good thoughts on this. Yeah, so we have been seeing... A handful of drivers, most notably Seb and Lewis, and I think both of these drivers have always been pretty vocal about activism and different issues that they support, but they've been very vocal about supporting Pride Month this past couple weeks. And the FIA president had made some comments in an interview that were sort of critical about driver activism, saying that motorsport has gotten too political specifically mentioned Seb, Lewis, and Lando. And then he said that in other eras, drivers like Nikki Lauda and others were only interested in driving, which to me is sort of a a big yikes. And then he walked it back later after that criticism or after criticism for that and said that drivers can express themselves, should express themselves, that sort of thing. But I think it just brought up this debate on Instagram and that we've been talking about, like, should drivers be promoting causes they believe in off track? I, where I fall on this is I think if you have a platform and you have a cause that you believe in a hundred percent, use it. Like it is not taking away, in my opinion, anything from the sport. If you support pride, if you support anything else that like, you know, traditionally has like the sport has underrepresented those kinds of people. Like, I think it's so important that like world champions like Seb and Lewis and others are, are giving voice to that. So I think 100% that they should be promoting that. Maybe there's a line that they shouldn't cross, but like, I haven't seen that line. You know, I don't even know what that line is. No, we haven't. And I think like fundamentally, the FIA can't keep asking the drivers to expand their platforms. Like we see these drivers on Twitch and they're on TikTok and they're on Instagram and doing all of this stuff all the time. The FIA can't be like, expand your platform, but only for the things that we want you to talk about. Like they're humans too. They have thoughts. Like they need to be able to That's such a good point. The schedule and what the FIA asks of the drivers has gotten so – it just expands year after year after year. So many commitments, not only races, but like Chess was just saying, the off-track commitments. And I agree with Tiggy that I think it's a matter of – it's kind of your responsibility at some point when you have a platform that large to be bringing to light some of these issues that are – maybe wouldn't have as much of a platform if it weren't for these top drivers speaking out. So I'm here for it. And I was pretty shocked that the president made such explicit comments. In fact, he specifically mentioned Seb and Lewis and Lando and mentioned Lando in the context of Lando speaking about mental health. So that was pretty... Oh my God, he needs to get on the bandwagon. Like, this is This is the important conversations that have been happening for years. It was pretty bad. And I'm not surprised at all that he had to try to walk them back after. Yeah, well, at least he did walk some of that back. And I, I hope drivers continue to to support these things. Um, 
So in other big news, there was a lot of discussion over a potential salary cap for drivers. For a few years, F1 and the FIA have discussed whether there should be a $30 million per year total driver salaries, and this is coming up again. Um, as we've talked about in previous episodes, Lewis and Max alone make like close to $50 million or over. Um, so that $30 million total would really only impact probably Lewis, Max, maybe a few others. I think Alonso, Vettel, and Ricardo also make uh, plus over over $15 million. But Yeah, it would really just impact the top handful of drivers, like the former world champions and people like Ricardo who are who are highly paid. But unsurprisingly, the drivers seem very opposed. Max said that it's, quote, completely wrong. But kind of what we were just talking about, he was saying the sport is expecting more and more of the drivers every year. And he added that the drivers are the ones who, quote, bring the show and put their lives at risk. And Alonso said something very similar. So Lando agreed. And I hadn't thought about this, which is super interesting. Lando said that it might hurt young drivers who face such huge financial hurdles to get into F1 to begin with because sponsors will invest in these junior drivers with the expectation that they're going to get a big team deal and be paid a lot in the future. So then the sponsors will make a lot of money back once the driver makes it big. So that is an interesting factor to continue. Botas obviously inserted a funny comment. Botas and Battle were both joking about the teams just trying to make more money. And then Botas made a joke about them reducing the team principal salaries. <laughs> Toto, watch out. He's coming for you. <laughs> so obviously Toto supports that cap. <laughs> Yeah, so he said Toto did say that there should be a cap. He mentioned that a lot of American sports have caps and it works just fine. But then Binotto kind of came back and said it is a tricky question. They probably won't address it until 2026 regulations. So TLDR, I guess they should rake it in while they can. Maybe the regulations are coming. Who knows? You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. Um, so let's jump into some of the recaps and highlights from this weekend. So main takeaway from practice was... Checo was dominating. We really saw him doing well. The Red Bulls and the Ferraris did look very close. And then we did see Alonso up there. So that was really nice to see. So we did talk a lot, a little bit about kissing the walls at Monaco, but there were a lot of kisses of the wall at turn 15 during practice and lots of cars, including both Ferraris, actually bailing out at different points and going off that runoff area at turn 15. Red Bulls also had spins. Um, and I think overall, we just thought it was kind of funny watching these cars do like a reverse five point turn to kind of eat their way back out of that turn and keep going. And it's really hard to reverse the cars. And so it's these insanely powerful cars and they'll be in this runoff area just struggling to turn around at two miles an hour. Um, it's like how I tried to parallel park. That's what <laughs> it would look like. And then Max's rear wing was flapping a ton while DRS was open on the main street. So we had to miss a bit of FP2 while they very frantically tried to fix it. It looked like... They had, it looked at one point like they had a little glue bottle 
near the rear wing. So I was scared. It did not look like a very <laughs> official fix they were going for. And then we saw a lot of really bad porpoising for certain teams, Ferrari, Mercedes, AlphaTauri. They're bouncing all over the place. Again, we'll talk about porpoising later on as we get into the race. And um, But Toto was saying jokingly that every track should be resurfaced to be smooth as a marble table, <laughs> which was a pretty funny quote. If only, Toto, if only. And so qualifying, Q1, was, there was actually a little drama here. There's a red flag with two minutes and 30 seconds left to go. So... A lot of people were trying to rush in to get a lap. Stroll caused that red flag. He hit the wall once, but just had minor front wing damage. And then literally right afterwards, hit the wall again, just came at it from an angle, tons of debris all over the place, which was really tough for the drivers who hadn't gotten in a good lap, which Botas was sort of the main one there. Um, A flying lap is around one minute and 42 seconds. So it was just really tight to try and get one in. Huge traffic jam getting out. Lando was told to like get elbows out and overtake. Mercedes <laughs> had the first two cars out and they were not showing any sense of urgency, obviously, like trying to keep people behind them. But all the drivers luckily got across the line before time ran out to get one lap in. But it really looked like a Grand Prix with cars side by side and everything. It was it was kind of wild. Yeah, um, it was wild. And in an absolutely legendary move from Botas, he made it into Q2, even though he was side by side with Latifi with cars everywhere at the start of his flying lap on top of a really chaotic outlap where he probably could not get the tires up to temperature properly and everything. So that was pretty wild. But sadly, that meant that Magnussen got cut. So the cuts were Magnussen, Albon, Latifi, Stroll, and Mick in P20. Oh, so Mick. sad. When, when will you learn? So sad. <laughs> Albon was freaking out on the radio about Alonso because I think Alonso seemingly held people up on purpose uh, and then bailed out without a lockup or anything. It just seems like his objective was to hold people up. TBD on that. I'm going to say that definitely did not happen. I think him being a veteran like probably means he's got this whole sportsmanship thing down. That would be really nasty if he was just kind of doing that to hurt other people and just keep himself when he did that in monaco so unapologetically and then said after like i don't care how that impacted other people he was driving so slowly it's so weird because there there is things like the blue flag and things written into the rules about kind of being a bit more sportsmanship like and and letting it happen so i don't know i'm gonna disagree on that one i feel like alonso has a a purer heart than they're making him out to be but well tiki has an alonso a pretty spicy alonso take (laughs) it was not just alonso but i I did have a hot take this week and i'm curious on your guys thoughts on this but the question that came up for me is should veterans like alonso like vettel who are not really in contention like hamilton is for breaking any records like hamilton is obviously racing to be the best driver in the world, in history, to get that eighth championship. Like, I understand that. And I love Alonso and Vettel. I will preface this by saying I love both of them. I love watching them race. But I sort of wonder if they should potentially retire. And, like, they're sitting in these midfield teams in not great cars. I get they maybe love racing. But in my mind, it prevents younger drivers or potentially like the next generation of talent from entering because there are only 20 seats. And again, they're not competing to like break any records. So it's sort of just like a victory lap, I guess, for them. But it's it's not a victory lap because they're not doing very well. So I don't know. I'm not saying that they should just like retire as soon as they're done um, with like being world champions. But I do feel like it's a little dragged out. They're like 40 years old which is kind of old so (laughs) that was my spicy take 
But also, ultimately, it's kind of up to the team where, as we've just talked about a lot, Formula is so cutthroat. If they were delivering value and the teams felt like there was a better driver for that seat, the teams would put a better driver in that seat, you know? So I feel like the teams have decided that their experience is the bigger value add to the team than having. Exactly. But is that short term? Like you could be developing like an amazing driver who maybe not be not be as good right now as a former world champion. I think the pedigree of having a world champion being on your team like over many years, even if it is a lot of years, that pedigree and like that experience, that caliber is worth a lot. And I think it's not always such a tangible thing because they're not like Vettel and Alonso aren't always winning races, right? But I think there is something to be said about that. Well, let's jump into Q2. So Lewis was super frustrated and being very defeatist on the radio, which is a trend. Only made it to Q3 because Russell purposely gave him a huge toe on his last lap. Lewis was also driving really slowly to potentially try to get a toe and held up Lando. He was summoned to the stewards, but there wasn't any action taken on that. And then the cuts were both McLarens, Norris, Ricardo, and then Ocon, Joe, and Botas. Sad. But on the bright side, Ricardo was pretty close to Lando, so... It's foreshadowing for McLaren's pretty decent weekend. So Q3 final results, the announcers, like Sarah was saying, their takeaway was that everything is negative from Lewis today. Lewis did not have a great quality. Um, Carlos looked great. He was on provisional pole until his final flying lap. That really got our hopes up for his first pole, but then he made a pretty big mistake on his final lap and sadly lost it. So in the end, we had... Charles P1, Checo P2, Max P3, and then we had Sainz, Russell, Gasly, Hamilton, Yuki, Vettel, and Alonso. Fun fact here, this is the first time we've had someone hold two pole positions here. So Charles was the first person to get a second pole at this track since the track was pretty newly open. And in the past few years, it's always been a different pole sitter. And then our big takeaway here also was the Alpine pace didn't display as much as we had thought. Their new upgrades made it so we were expecting them to be pretty speedy. We didn't see a lot of that, but we did end up seeing it in the race. Yeah, so getting into the race, this was supposed to be a one-stop race since it's a low-deg circuit, but the race turned out to be a lot more about tire management since the track was way hotter than practice and quality. So just to chat a little bit about the start and maybe a quick recap, Leclerc was passed right off the start going into turn one by Checo, who just flew off the line. It was an amazing start by Checo. Leclerc had a front left lockup. I almost thought Verstappen was going to pass him as well, but he managed to hang on. Same. It looked clear. Verstappen was right on him. Yeah. There was a Leclerc-Max DRS battle for second. That was super close, especially on that long straight, which was over a mile. Carlos dropping back quickly into P4, quite a few seconds back. And overall, Red Bull, I think, just looked really strong at the start. Definitely had the race pace. The sort of reaction times for the start really mattered. Checo had a 0.29 second reaction time versus 0.31 for Charles. So it was only two hundredths difference, but it ended up making all the difference. And it was interesting about Red Bull looking so strong in terms of race pace because as is also a trend, the Ferrari is so good in qualifying, especially just Charles can pull out these insane laps. And then as per usual, Ferrari throws it away for him. On that lines, uh, there was a double DNF from Ferrari and virtual safety cars throughout the race, so that helped shake up the pit strategy a bit. Science was the first DNF on lap nine due to a hydraulics failure, and then Charles had a really slow stop under the virtual safety car that resulted from that, so he came out in P3 behind Max, and then shortly after on lap 20, his car started smoking a ton, and he was able to pull back into the pits, but his engine failed. 
So sad. We also saw some pretty good team battles, like I said. Lap 15, turn one, Max pretty much passed right by Checo. It was an easy pass. We did get a little team team order saying, Checo, do not fight. Um, so that was a pretty boring race after that. Up until right at the end, we saw a little bit of the McLaren rivalry coming out between Lando and, and Danny. So that was exciting to see. So let's break it down by team. Ferrari, like we said, an absolute total nightmare for them. Double DNF means that Charles has dropped to third in the driver's standings now. He's 34 points behind Max and 13 points behind Checo. That means that they're 80 points behind in the Constructors' Championship with Mercedes catching up pretty quickly in both championships. So tougher Ferrari there. Yeah, like we said, the announcers after Charles retiring, bitter disappointment, Leclerc's season is unraveling, puff, puff, and he's gone. Just like really sad things. That's what they said when his car started to smoke. They were all like, oh my God, puff, puff, he's gone, he's out of the race. Seriously, he actually could be at risk for a grid penalty. I was reading at some point with all the new engine components he's been needing. Um, Ferrari's got to be pretty strategic about that or he might be having to take a grid penalty. But yeah, some wild stats, as we mentioned Charles has had pole the last three races and has not finished on podium in any of them with two DNFs and just the announcers being like they're handing Red Bull points, which is just sad tier. Red Bull. So had the opposite of Ferrari's day had a one, two with fastest lap. Checo had an amazing textbook start. He pulled through to P1 at turn one. Charles had that front left lockup and Checo just, executed so well going into turn one they were the only team at the front of the pack who didn't take a pit stop during the early virtual safety car so just good example of of red bull being super committed and on point with their strategy checo was told no fighting when max passed trying to avoid a max danny baku replay so i was i was happy about that and then max just really found a lot of race pace that checo didn't within a few laps max was over three seconds ahead of Checo. So it was interesting that Checo was faster in practice and quality, but Max's race pace just definitely is, is a step above. Yeah. At the end of that race, Max's engineer was like, Max, like slow it down, slow it down. We don't need to be at like a a 47.0. Like let's try and do a 47.5 or 47 or 48. And Max was like, really, do I have to? (laughs) It was just like, he was flying. You could hear him and Horner just going back and forth about realistically how slow could he go without making the tires cold. Which, like, does 0.5 seconds a lap really make that big of a difference on tire temperature? I mean, that's what he said, and it's just funny at this point. It's kind of like they were just having this, like, debate that literally means nothing. It was just, like, stay ahead and don't ruin the tires. So funny. So Alpine, they brought a big upgrade, as we talked about. was hoping to see a little bit more speed from them. Plus that low downforce setup for this track with a skinny rear wing to reduce drag and the straight line speed was pretty good, but yeah, Alonso and Ocon had, I think both good races. They were definitely taking advantage of that newfound speed. It didn't really convert into finishing that high in the points P seven and P 10, but maybe we'll see some more great things from them with these upgrades and um, yeah, a little bit of confidence. So McLaren, we, We saw Danny and Lando running very closely together for most of the race. Pretty early on, Danny basically said, if this is all he's got, like I've got more, aka asking, you know, the team if he could pass Lando. The announcers got a pretty big kick out of this, thinking it was so funny that, quote, this is a big change. Daniel is in good form. So 
that was nice to see him feeling strong. Yeah, Danny looked great. He did. But he was actually fighting Gasly off for much of the race. Eventually, he got passed when Gasly got fresh retires. And then Lando dropped down big time at one of his pit stops all the way down to P16, which coincided with Danny getting pretty lucky with one of those virtual safety cars. He was one of the last ones to do his first pit stop. He got it under the virtual safety car. And it actually ended up being pretty good for him. Yeah, so there was a little bit of drama at the end and some rivalry between the teammates. McLaren told Lando that they would be keeping the positions with Danny in front and Lando behind. And Lando was not happy about that. He was like, why? And they were like, well, we're returning the favor to Danny, who had done that the last time and held the positions. And Lando was in front. But Lando was like, that was a strategy call. This is like for finishing positions. He was not happy. So I feel like Danny and Lando have a little bit of of rivalry going on. Um, I wonder how Drive to Survive is going to talk about that one little (laughs) moment. Yeah, and it sort of relates to everything we've been talking about with Danny's future. He was pretty blasé about the speculation. He was saying that part of him loves it and that the sport is all about the pressure. And he said he spoke to Zach and seems confident that his 2023 contract is solid and he'll be on the team next year. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. But definitely a lot of different takes on where what, what his future holds at McLaren. So Mercedes, they had a... Tough weekend, but really capitalized on uh, just a brutal situation with the car, finishing P3 and P4. The car had a lot of drag, which is tough on this track, and it just seems so stiff and clunky. They really can't figure out what's wrong with it. And the porpoising problem and the bottoming out problem being so massive could also be distracting from other issues they have as well. But George has been top five all races this year. His trend continues. So pretty impressive stuff from him. So like we always say, George has been top five all races this year. He finally got his podium, comes out on top seemingly after being quiet the entire race. So now George is tied with Nico Rosberg's record of beating Lewis seven consecutive races in a row. Speaking of Lewis, he was all over the place. He was in P7, then he dropped to P11. After that early virtual safety car, Vettel passed him in the pits, which is pretty tough. He made a little bit of a comeback on lap 18. He had a nice pass on the inside of Akon for P9. And he stealthily finished in P4. Like, I think Mercedes had a stealthily great race this this weekend, and I'm really happy for them. It was not without its issues, though. Hamilton on the radio saying, my back is killing me. The porpoising, the bottoming out, like watching them, honestly, is even painful. I cannot imagine being in that car. So we wanted to talk a little bit about safety and porpoising. After Friday practice, a lot of drivers were saying they had never experienced anything that bad. Lewis said he was sore. And then, like we said, Lewis was wrecked after the race. He could barely get out of the car, said that he was just praying for it to end towards the end of that race and that it was the most painful race of his career and he had been close to crashing. So. Yeah, I and my big wonder was I wonder if the drivers are given any choice in whether the car should be run higher to reduce this, even though it sacrifices performance. Like, are the teams just forcing the drivers to endure this with no input? Is that kind of a discussion? It seems like with how brutal the situation is for the drivers, it should be at least a discussion of whether they want the ride height to be a bit higher to fix some of this. It's I don't know. And it also makes me wonder if they're doing concussion checks. Kind of it reminded me of CTE and American football and how that's been such a huge issue in the past several years from chronic head injuries. 
because brain damage like that can also be from super repetitive sub-concussion injuries. So not even a full concussion. And some of the driver's heads were bouncing so violently this race. Yeah. And aside from the head issues, the bouncing makes it really hard to drive in general. George was saying that running the car millimeters from the ground is a quote unquote recipe for disaster and that there will be a major incident at some point because a lot of the drivers can barely keep the car in a straight line over the bumps. And it also makes it hard to see the braking zone at the end of the straight. So I don't know. I think he was saying that, that the regulations might be unsustainable. And as we talked about in our regulations episode, like so many of the regulations are for safety and this is like blatantly unsafe. Christian, of course, had a kind of a spicy response to that. He said, quote, the easiest thing to do is obviously to raise a car and that the team has a choice to do that. And so he said pretty explicitly that he thinks Mercedes and Ferrari are telling their drivers to make a big deal out of it. He, Christian said, quote, you can see it's uncomfortable, but there are remedies to that, but it's a detriment of the car performance. So the easiest thing to do is complain from a safety point of view. He actually said all that. So I, I think it's not cool at all to be dismissive of safety, but I do think his point speaks to what I was talking about of at what point are they just going to raise the height of the cars to fix some of this. It seems pretty crazy that Mercedes is insisting on running the car a millimeter from the ground, knowing that it's going to be unsafe for the drivers. Totally. Precious cargo in there, George and Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the last few teams from this weekend. So Alfa Romeo, we saw Botas had a new internal combustion unit for the weekend. We were expecting big things from him. Unfortunately, we didn't see anything stupendous coming out of him. We saw team orders to let Joe pass him. So Joe was really outperforming Bottas all weekend. Sadly, though, Joe had a DNF, also a mechanical failure, also a Ferrari engine. He cursed at the team on the radio. He was really upset. But I think overall, we didn't see what we wanted from Bottas this weekend. And we hope to see him do better next time. Yeah, I really feel for Joe. I think he's he's had an awesome first season and a lot of unfortunate things with the car and the team just not going well for him because he really, I think he could have been in the points for sure. And yeah, and really well. multiple DNFs, which totally. could just, must just get so frustrating. So Haas uh, had been seeing somewhere that K-Mag was also complaining of like nerve damage from porpoising, which is really scary and tough to think about. Um, He also DNF'd mechanical issues, also a Ferrari engine, which is unfortunate because it was a really good day for him. He was fighting Ocon in the midfield, but another Ferrari-powered car bites the dust this weekend. So Aston Martin, Vettel tried to pull off kind of a risky pass on Ocon on lap 13, and he went off, so he lost two places. Definitely risky, but fun to see him going for moves like that. Stroll had a DNF, which was actually a strategic decision to retire him because the car oscillation was putting so much pressure on the car. He wasn't in the points anyway and had a disaster in quali, so probably right that they were trying to save the car. So not much to say about Williams. One thing is Latifi was still holding up everyone, ignoring the blue flags. Come on, bro. We talked about this last episode. Not okay. For Alpha Tauri, I think this race was really important for Gasly's future. Christian made a comment about him not being ready to move up, but he Gasly did say he'll consider all of his options. He had an excellent race, so I don't see why people wouldn't want him on their team. But overall, excellent race for Alpha Tauri. We talked a little bit about Yuki's tape at the beginning, but there was a black and orange flag when his DRS flag wasn't opening. They called him into the pits to make them fix it. Literally, they just had to duct tape it to make sure nothing would fly off, but probably not necessarily to have a black and orange flag. We don't see them very often. 
they should have just told him to maybe not use the DRS, but it was some high-tech duct taping happening for the Alpha Tauri team. So final results, we had Max, Checo, and George on podium, then P4, Lewis, Gasly, Vettel, Alonso, Ricardo, Norris, and Ocon rounding off the top 10. So our radio of the week, I think there were a few good options, but we loved this spicy one from Danny Ricardo, who was behind Norris uh, before sort of the end of the race and was saying, if that's all the pace he's got, I have more, which we kind of love to see claws out Danny going for, for Lando's back there. Yeah, I want to see Danny fighting back. Yeah. So in terms of the standings now for the Drivers' Championship, Max has pulled away his 150 points, then Checo 129, Charles 116. So after this race, Checo is now ahead of Charles. Then George 99, also getting quite close to Charles. Then Carlos with 83 and Lewis with 62. And in terms of constructors, Red Bull also pulling away with 279, Ferrari with 199, Mercedes with 161. So also Mercedes closing that gap to Ferrari. In McLaren 65 and Alpine 47. Thanks for listening. We are excited to be back later this week also with a Canada preview and another special segment, a deep dive. One of our favorite drivers, we won't tell you who, but a solid backstory, which will be fun.